necessary intro song to totally waste your time. If you're looking at this, you can see a cassette tape that is a different color than usual. If you're listening to this, you have to imagine a cassette tape that is a different color. It is rather than the regular gray clear, it is gold. And that means that today I am going to have a conversation with somebody that I know. His name is Della Show. Or Della Show. Della Show? Della Show. Uh, it's French looking. I don't even know if it's real. And I didn't even ask him. I've already had the conversation with him. I'm just doing a little intro because I realized I didn't say how I know him. He um, hired me years ago to make promo photos of him, and we did a number of them with tiki things and girls, his wife. Um, uh, he's an interesting fella. In fact, some of the pictures that I that he paid me to make, uh, we ended up doing some company in Denmark purchase to use in their corporate brochures and so we gave him I gave him another photo shoot we did another one with a some stripper a dancer we made antlers out of his head or antlers of her legs onto his head and surrounded him with absinthe um, fun little pictures that reminded me a little bit of Hunter S. Thompson but he's been a guy who's been on the scene you should say, a certain scene in San Francisco. So he knows the social life here and the party scene, and our scenes overlapped quite a bit. And um, he's one of the few people who now uh, is has the audacity to, you know, maybe crack a few eggs, maybe uh, challenge the really hardcore lefty uh, pressure that's here. So he's getting himself into a little bit of trouble. Not as much as me, but enough, and more than most. And so I'm interested to talk to him about that, and we talked about it. We went to Golden Gate Park, and we parked at the north end of the, or the southwest corner of the polo field, and we had a nice conversation in my van with a glass of wine. It was nice. And I hope you enjoy this nice conversation with Aaron Delachaux. Aaron Delachaux, right? That's correct. Is Aloha. that how you say your name? Yeah, Aaron Delachaux. Yeah. Did, did you say Aloha? Yeah. Are you Hawaiian? I'm kind of like your dad. I, I've been there enough to where I feel like I'm... Uh, now I'm I've I've taken it upon myself to uh, well it's kind of not just Hawaiian I call it kind of like deadbeat dad Hawaiian where you're like wait a minute that's I'm that's getting personal well not really I mean I don't really my dad is a deadbeat dad Hawaiian oh we'll see I've touched the nerve <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's never been no a no no dad, no I just meant somebody talked about it as an aesthetic as like uh, where you wear the Hawaiian shirts and you're kind of like in the sports car having the midlife crisis yeah. but it's got some dings and you got a cigarette hanging on your mouth and you passed out and you've you've missed a bunch of your alimony support it's kind of a whole look you know and i've uh, in september you're you know, embracing it 
I'm totally embracing it. I like it. that. Yeah. You know, that's the mm. thing you don't realize when you're young is that all these old guys that you kind of make fun of are doing it for real. Yeah. You you think that they're still going on your measurement of things. They You think they still have your values and aren't hitting the mark. So you mean there are lots of deadbeat dads out there that are authentic? No, no, no. Well, for example, you know how when you're young you think, oh, I'm never going to be like that when I get old. Oh, I see. I, I will you. never yeah. be like, I'm going to go dancing every night for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be young. And then all of a sudden you're 52 and you go, I'm not interested in any of that shit anymore. So that happened to me about exactly two years ago. I hit that wall. 50, how old are you? I'm 47 now. 47, so okay. 45. I guess I was a bit early. I thought that. I thought no, it was I late. No, I think you, you hit it about when I hit I it. I thought it was late. It was about 45, 46 yeah. when I hit it too. And all of a sudden, the whole dream, the whole uh, Xanadu just dissipated into thin air. And I was like, what the hell have I been doing for the last 20 years? I don't regret a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, it's like anyone else, but... um. You kind of, I don't know what it is. Is there something really authentic about that midlife review where you think about, uh, you know, what you've been up to? And not necessarily that you look on it with regret, but you just, you're just kind of done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? And it's natural. It's not a big... That's I, I what I know. keep telling myself. Well, I mean, no, it, it, it just, like you just go, well, maybe there might be a little bit of panic for a second. You might go... God, I'm not used to. I'm not. I'm not interested in going to the parties anymore. I'm not interested in doing this. I'm not interested in doing that. Is that a problem? And then you realize, no, it's not a problem. I'm changing. Yeah. I'm growing up. I'm not. I'm not a kid anymore. Totally. I mean, I still. You know. I'm, I mean, I love to be social. I still like to go out and do things with people I know and everything. But in terms of. Well, let me preface it. So I was a DJ for many years, and and so going out and and with the mindset of you know I'm gonna rock a dance floor, or I'm gonna you know create and buttress this wonderful party, you know, and and just feeling emphatically like uh, sincere about that or earnest about it, that part kind of dissipated on me. Um, you know, I just I got to a point where I was like, it was really like one one night almost. It just kind of went poof, and I was like, huh just doesn't seem to hold the whole, um, I don't know, the mythology or something. It's kind of like when you go to Disneyland that one year and you're old enough to where you start looking behind the rides and seeing all the cabling and everything, and you're like, it's no more about the complete projected magic and mystery. All of a sudden, it's about extension cords yeah, and yeah. dusty well, you know, I've equipment. Always, <laughs> I've always been like that, though. That's the interesting thing, is I've always been mostly interested in gear. Like, when, even when I was a kid, because I bought my first keyboard when I was, you know, 15. Yeah. My first multi-track recorder when I was 16. Yeah. And so I've always been interested in people's gear. So I've always liked smaller shows bigger, better than big shows, because I could see what gear people were using. You're a gearhead. Kind of, well, I am I? I am a little bit. Well, I think Gearhead actually more is more for automotive. I think in terms of vernacular. But anyway, but I know what yeah. you're mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I'm not in the sense that I don't that I think. Oh, I must have that equipment to do this. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I get in trouble because I'm mostly telling people, ah, fuck it, just do it with your iPhone. You've got everything you need in your pocket. Yeah. You know, and so I'm more. I'm kind of like an evangelist against all the big gear, but that doesn't mean I'm not interested in it. Well, you're still you know? using the gear to promulgate some big quote-unquote dream, whether it's music or, you know, some sort of art form that is kind of beyond the gear. Yeah. You know, 
And that that's important. You want to keep that. Once, but also mm. just gear is great in that somebody made it. I, I often fascinate, I'm fascinated by my gear. Like a mixer, all the all the knobs, and I think somebody put all those together. Like if you look at a, a traditional like twenty four forty eight track mixer, it's a it's an amazing thing with all those knobs and all those little buttons and all those Most little definitely. lights. And I just think, you know, we always we always celebrate the uh, artists and the musicians. And but the what stuff. about the gear? But what about the gear? Literally, the people <laughs> that are putting those little knobs on and and, dis- and designing it. And then when you open it up and you got all those billions of little yeah. wires, it looks like a whole city scene in there. Well, nowadays we can't do that because, you know, everything's been reduced to zeros and ones. Uh, in the old days with the more, you know, uh, 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 linear... Um, what do you call it? Uh, the old the old boards and everything that used the to, re- to analog boards that used to record and everything. I just was reading today Joe Walsh of the Eagles. He said if we would have had Pro Tools when we were recording, did you just call it Bro Tools? Pro Tools. I think you called it Bro Tools. I'm we're gonna have to do that. a rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Joe Walsh and Bro Tools. Yeah. And he says if we had Pro Tools when we were recording Hotel California, we would still be recording Hotel California Absolutely. right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know what though, I, I, I'm. Why would I want to argue with Joe Walsh about that? But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, there is a thing that um, Pro Tools allows for more second guessing. Even like a word processor provides for much more second guessing. So I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm not going to make a judgment. But when you can copy paste a paragraph and move it around. You're not going to get that same stream of conscious type thing because the ability to move it around more. Yeah. The options are so The fluidity tempting. of manipulation. You know what I mean? The, yeah, the yeah. temptation mm-hmm. to move things around is almost irresistible. Yeah. So who knows? It's if, too irresistible is the problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So Joe Walsh, very well, I mean, I'm sure he thinks he's telling the truth, but in reality, he might have been there and somebody... Somebody in the room might have gone, you know what would have been cool is if we yeah. chop this and put it over here and move this around. And then you get, you well, never you, know what would have happened. Well, do you record stuff? I mean, does that ha- do you get bogged down? I know myself and everyone I know that produces music um, has a million, you know, squillion projects on the half burner where they're kind of like second guessing, like, you know, tweaking what we call it. Turd you know? polishing is what I yeah, call it. Yeah, turd polishing, basically. <laughs> And at some point, you just have to cut and run and be like, you know, this is what it is, and it's on authentic form, and I'm going with it. And I might feel a little bit, you know, like I might have my misgivings because it could always be ameliorated or rectified or something, but you just have to throw the towel in. That's really hard, as a have found, producing music, to, making to, music. To know when it's finished. To know when the, where the finish line is, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to my friend John about this the other day, and uh, his thing was deadlines. Deadlines They're is how good. it's determined. yeah. You know, because uh, when the deadline comes, uh, we got a neighbor over here calling Dum Dum, and it's making her squeal with delight. Um, <laughs> but oh, no, like even even with this stupid little podcast, I'm realizing because I I my dad was my first guest, right? I, my my dad's 83. I need to listen to that one. I haven't heard it. I haven't released it yet because oh, okay. I recorded him in three sessions, okay. right? And I was using different technology, so it's still not out. Why? Because I got to edit it together so because of lots of bumps and grinds in the in well, the, in the just consistency because, or well just because he was uncomfortable sitting in a certain place we started at a park and then when i did a thing yeah i wanted to ask him more questions and i just had three different 
yeah. three different sections I need to edit together, and I was using two different separate iPhones. Um, to, so in other, in other words, I'm not going to do any editing on this. No, I don't And mind. it's going to go out tomorrow. Now, what I'm you see do, is what you get. And what you, know you hear what? is I what like you regret. That. I like that. <laughs> and, you know, I think um, we can see with podcasts and people in these long-form conversations, I think there is – I don't know if it's just a reaction to been having a diet of edited things for the last – Four decades. Over-engineered, polished turds. Absolutely. And yeah. we, we became so accustomed to it, and we keep rising, raising the bar on it. Like, even on YouTube, you'll see these guys with their fast edits. You know, they're very quick edits. Oh, yeah. Where they'll, they'll edit out all the pauses in between and everything to get it all in there in three minutes. Well, it's kind of the sexy new flavor of the day, too, to just really have everything <laughs> completely, <laughs> yeah, just honed in. And I have yeah. to admit it, I kind of like it in a way. You know, especially when I'm in a soundbitey kind of environment where I want a lot of information fast. Yeah. But the other thing is, is I really like listening to an actual conversation between people yeah. linearly. Organic tempo. Yeah. Sure. Pauses, yeah, thoughts, yeah. you know. I don't need there to be every single edit in there. And I think that's kind of a, I think there is, maybe we always wanted those, did, did, People always want these long philosophical conversations and they just couldn't get them because the media was convinced it wouldn't be a market? I think so. I think that's the, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, basically, we've been talking and sitting in parks like we're doing right now. We're in Golden Gate Park, by yeah. the way, um, at, for all the way back to Socrates, right? So we've been sitting out and holding plants and looking at flowers and going, what the hell is going on? What's the meaning of all this? We're spinning around on a I want to say a polished turd, but <laughs> that, that would be very non-environmental of me. Um, you know, a, a third stone be. from the sun. And what is the meaning of all this? And and so I think it's very normal and very primal, kind of like looking at a fire. You know how when you go camping and there's something hypnotic about the flames, you look at it and it has this timeless kind of infinite um, appeal. I think in the end, talking and sitting around you know, quote-unquote philosophizing, it serves the same purpose for people. Well, also, but the other part is just listening to somebody else talk where you don't even have to chime in. I get a little frustrated on pod when I listen to podcasts sometimes because I, I will start yelling. Into <laughs> You're yelling at the guest? I'm yelling at the guest. You idiot! I wish I was there so I could correct that motherfucker. It doesn't happen... M m Rarely does it happen, but some guests who just want to go, no, you fucking liar, or, you know, yeah. when I hear somebody blatantly lying or misleading or getting something wrong, yeah, I want to jump in there. Well, I guess that's what the comments are for, but uh, be careful out there. Oh, yeah. No. I. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. It seems like every time. I'm learning finally to not. I'm literally yeah, learning. we all are. You know, all part of this podcast, the arise of this podcast, was me getting sick of typing with my thumbs on other people's walls, comments that I thought they needed to hear, opinions mm. that they needed of mine. Yeah. But then what happens if they get frustrated? They delete the whole thing. And all your work is gone. If they delete that thread, yeah. it's gone. And I'm like, how dare you delete my work? Delete your own, but don't delete mine. Well, you know, someday, hypothetically, Zuckerberg could delete all of our yeah, you know, I mean, then just launch it out into the into the universe, and we're all just kind of like, did we even were we even alive the past twenty years? I'm telling you, <laughs> I think that's a real danger. I mean, really think about it. I think we, we're this is a generation, including Generation 
our generation, all the way down to Gen Z. You're a Gen Xer. Gen X. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think you are too. I don't. I think I might be at the. They say top I think end the of Gen official, X. I think the official is sixty. Born in sixty-two to seventy-five. I don't know where they came up with that. Who knows? You know, that that time frame um, seems kind of maybe so. What's se- what's seventy-five to what's past seventy-five? Those are Gen Y. They're Gen Y, yeah. and then Millennials. Millennials. And then Gen Z is the one that's coming up. See, now you're ahead of me. I've, I, you're over skis on that Your one. Your kids are Gen Z. They're Gen Z? Yeah. They're calling them Gen Z. And I have m- much great hope for Gen Z. I think they're going to really do some amazing shit. I think that every generation is, in a, in a way, forms its, at least in, well, I don't want to get too sociocultural, but at least in Western culture, every generation has this pang where they have to rebel against yeah. what's been made before them. Yep. And beautiful things come from that, and sometimes there's some dead ends and some cul-de-sacs too, but mostly it's a good thing, you know? If and, it, uh, good or bad, it definitely seems to be the natural way that things organize. And I think you're probably right. I don't. My own kids are way too young, but I do think there are really young people coming up that um, seem to be kind of flaunting against a lot of what I consider millennials and a lot of the things that are going yeah, on with, sure. with millennials and a lot of the things that uh, their paradigm of the world let's say um, and I see that with um, like teenagers I've got some nieces and nephews and, and stuff and it's amazing to listen to them you thought or I would have uh, you know th- thought that they would be part of this millennial thing and they're not they're clearly not and they actually kind of hold uh, some of these millennial, let's say, theoretical components about um, society um, ingest and, and and don't believe them and are rebelling against them. And it's refreshing. Well, I don't know if you've <laughs> seen, I've linked to this young girl, this 13, 14-year-old girl named Soph. Yeah. Um, very controversial. Yeah, I know Soph. Um, but um, I, d- I dug deeper into that and I started figuring out who her little Perfect social example, group was. Perfect example, by the way. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I feel like she's smarter and well more more well thought out than I am now, and I'm 52, <laughs> you know. And I started digging in, and you start looking. Well, these kids have all the information at their fingertips, all of it. True. They you can't pull a fast one on them. You could fool us because you the information wasn't there. Yeah. Now though, if you talk shit about somebody, like even back in the day, Elvis Presley's bad. What do all the kids like Elvis Presley? You yeah. you forbid something and immediately everybody goes towards that. It's what kids do. But now with this culture now, you're forbidden, you're forbidden. These kids immediately go. Yeah. So if you lie about somebody and you say that person's a Nazi, they'll go look. They'll they'll read about Nazism. They'll read about this person. They'll actually look it up and they'll go, "Well, you lied to me." Well, that's what I was just saying. They're they're more uh, seemingly cynical. We're still. I'm part of the generation that falls for clickbait, basically. Yeah. Like, it, and it even still works on me. I mean, I've I've you know had my own evolution. I think with they it, recognize it. I think the Gen Z know it immediately. immediately, and they're yeah. like, "What are you talking about? This is just some article by some little." constabulary that's a couple people sitting around in a Manhattan hotel and now they've got a media industry and you're really kind of kind of buy into their opinion about the world forget it whereas I'm like kind of emotional hard on a string you know uh, Gen Xer who's still grappling with all this mass media content coming at me you know on social media and everything and you know I fall for it hook line and sinker a lot of times you know the emotionality the hyperbolic uh 
histrionics of it, you know. I mean, I've, I've, we've all learned to curtail it and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's. Check I'm, this. Better let's it I'm better at it now. I'm better at now. Now when I when we've I all gotten I can recognize the clickbait, and also I I know just the the basic um, ways to deal with it is like when you click on an article, I always scroll to the bottom and read from the bottom up because yeah. anything important in the article is usually the last paragraph. You know, so you read the last paragraph and then move your way back up because yeah. they they. People are still getting paid by the word, so they they want you to scroll past all their ads. So they put a lot of nonsense in there to keep you scrolling down because they get paid by the scroll. Each time an ad actually comes up in that scroll, they get a couple pennies for it or whatever. Well, here's a so here's a question for you on that topic. Do you think that this is a fad that is dissipating or mutating, or is this just kind of the wave of? content and information going forward for all generations i think people i think there's a fatigue and that's what we're yeah. talking about gen gen z they're they're turning away from it yeah so we might we might not um millennials might not we might be addicted to it hopelessly you know but the younger ones know <laughs> we're totally addicted to it hopelessly you know but the younger <laughs> ones know like for example i was talking to my friend uh, who has a kid and uh who's a shy kid and he doesn't get out much. But I went over to his house and I saw this kid with his headphones on and a microphone. And he's playing video games with people all over the world. Oh, of course, yeah. And they're talking. Yeah, yeah. You know? So this whole thing where we lament, oh, we used to get on our bikes and go cruising around. Go and fort. These kids now, they can't do it anymore. But they've figured a way around it. They're, they're doing that all with their video games. And there's no parental supervision there. They're building forts in the ether. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They really are. Yeah. And and they're hanging out and that's where they're not on Facebook. They're not on MySpace. They're not anywhere where they can be supervised. They're yeah. in these little rooms playing games with their friends and then maybe little tiny discus rooms or discuss or however you call it, and little chat know. rooms that we don't know about. Well, I I have to trust them, you know. Well, <laughs> well that's where they're that's where they're figuring out that the media is lying to them because they have these yeah. young great brains brains that are Curious and rebellious. Yeah. So if you put shit information in front of them, they're already inclined to reject it anyway. Yeah. In the first, they just want to reject yeah. it. They're programmed to reject it. So if you give them any reason to, if you literally lie about something, they're going to find yeah. it out. That's, I mean, that's refreshing. They're a I'm, click I'm, away. I'm stuck in, I mean, all my friends are, we're throwing, you know, ridiculous headlines at each other all day long on social media and freaking out about it, you know generated outrage all that all that crap and um you know you have to pull back and you have to kind of pull in the reins and go like this is ridiculous what are we doing half the stuff more than half of it is apocryphal it's confabulated bullshit you know and and we're all getting in fights and polarizing each other and you know i don't know call out culture and all that crap yeah i think well okay so let's get let's get into this where were you born san diego Okay, so you're not from San Francisco. No. How long have you lived in the Bay Area? Since January of 1996. Oh, so a long time. Yeah, it's home now. Yeah, no. I've lived here since I bought my house in 97, so we're we're almost tied Parallel. to that. Parallel, yeah. yeah. Mm. Not too long. A long time, though. Long enough for you to see... Substantial. The diff- what do you gauge? Has there been a ch- big, drastic change in San Francisco or not? No. Well, what do you mean, like? Anthropologically, or uh, just um, just what's your what's your version of the change? Well, okay, I mean, for, all, for all example, I, I is... gave you shit for uh, lamenting Trader Sam's on Facebook. 
I started to give you a shit, and you saw, saw, saw right through it. Well, I knew where you were going. Yeah, yeah you know. No, and, I don't, and I'm, that's not to say that I, you have a valid point. I've seen, I know what you were talking about, and I've seen that argument before, and I think you're Their totally, clientele have totally stopped coming. In that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So their I business, agree with you. Their business, old business model doesn't sustain itself. Yeah. So they have to change because yeah. guys like us aren't going there anymore. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I've seen all those changes. I mean, there's no there's no uh, underabundance of... There is the, a big black dog that's trying to get into my van right now. <laughs> that's part of doing podcasts at the park. Is sometimes, you got to deal with nature. <laughs> sometimes a big dog... It's a jungle out there. ...just stick their face right into the van. There's been so many changes. I mean, obviously everyone... Uh, you know, is there's no like I was gonna say there's no underabundance of all the socioeconomic um, changes that have happened in San Francisco, and we've had uh, you know these booms and these tech uh, roller coaster rides of money and different things that that that's done to different sectors of society, be it uh, gentrification, different things like that. So I've seen all that. Um, do you mean like in terms of uh, specifically Trader Sam tiki culture? <laughs> I think you. I think you. You use socioeconomic in a sentence, and that that proves that you're you got you got the whole thing down. You're smart. That was an intelligent answer. You said socioeconomic change. Well, I've been able to stay away from it because, uh, in terms of like renting, uh, I have I was out there initially in my the first decade of my stay in San Francisco out there. Um, renting places and um, moving every year, basically. I lived in the Mission, lived in the Haight, Lower Haight, um, all over the place. And But back then, you know, it was you could do that. And, and I had really, like, shit jobs. I got out of college, didn't know what to do with my life, had a degree. I don't like to admit this too much, but there is a piece of me that's kind of pr- proud of it in a way. Had a degree in philosophy, the history of philosophy. Mm, so okay. kind of the history of ideas. Moved to San Francisco because a, a buddy said, "Hey, you got to come down here. It's you know, it's the happening spot, you know." <laughs> and uh, I didn't really plan on it, but I went and stayed with a weekend with him, and ended up having a bunch of fun and partying and everything. I said, "Yeah, of course, why not? You know, it's time." I'd been in books in academia for four years. I mean, I was not like a party college person. I was really like, "Where'd you go to school?" Humboldt State University, which so up north. Well, and everyone, and rightly so, thinks, oh, "Okay, you were baked on bong hits the whole time." Mm-hmm. That was like the first semester, and then I burned out on it and really didn't touch it for the next four years. You know, and if you're not into getting stoned a lot, the Redwoods are a great place to oh god, with books so and beautiful. read. I mean, I just dove, did a complete deep dive into academia. So when I got out, I felt like. I'm ready to let loose. Like, I'm ready to party. You know, I'm 24 and uh, let's go to a rave or let's take some R2-D2, XTC, LSD, whatever, you know? Yeah. So I did all that and moved around, uh, you know, with the rent waves and everything. But back then you could you could afford it. And I worked at um, really crazy jobs that I would get just for the novelty of it. I worked at a place. My first job in San Francisco was working for Frenchies. Um porn house down on Geary in the Tenderloin. Basically, we sold adult movies and adult products, blow-up dolls, and it had the best piece of People real estate. People actually buy those things. Does anybody buy those for the intended purpose? Well, they certainly tried to joke? steal a lot of them. That was kind of my job. Do you think it's always a, a <laughs> joke, though? Well, it depends on what product we're talking about. It's a case-by-case thing. You know the blow-up dolls with the big round lips? Yes. That are just, yes. Do you think people ever put their wiener in there? Yes. They do? Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's not an attractive doll. 
Well, they especially weren't attractive back then. Now they've got these now they Japanese got the Blade Runner yeah, shit, yeah. you know. But um, back then it was literally like, yeah, bl- yeah it was like castle an inflatable with a vagina. They should be in the pool. <laughs> yeah, it, lo- it looked like that diva. It looked like Bougie Boy. Diva's People would mascot. try and steal them. I mean, I have to preface it. It was this piece of real estate. It was right down on Geary and um, Polk in between a methadone clinic, a homeless shelter, and a, massage, a prostitution massage parlor on top of it. So it was like... You couldn't get any more of a choice piece of real estate. And it was an all-night thing. Is that the tenderloin? What do you call that, the tenderloin? Now, maybe... Tender I don't knob. know what they... they Now it's, you know, Little Hanoi. I don't know what it's... They've got it all broken up now. Oh, okay. But back then, it was the tenderloin. Polk, Polk Gulch. Yeah, okay. Know? Yeah. And basically, I'd work, uh, you know, uh, graveyard shifts trying to... I'd be chasing... Um, uh, people who are shoplifting, you know, coming in constantly, stealing these dolls. And one of my big first kind of uh, awakenings to San Francisco, and specifically the SFPD, um, happened during this time. This was in 96. And uh, some guy ran out of the store with a blow-up doll, and uh, one of the other, one of my one of my co-workers or something says, there he goes, you know, grab him, Aaron. So I went running out. This happened every night. We'd chase people all up and down Polk Street with our merchandise. And I was running after him, and he ran up into an alley, like down in the Tenderloin somewhere, and I'm chasing him down this dark alley. And all of a sudden, these lights just go, and they come on. It's just like a Hollywood movie. And it was a police car sitting in the alley. And the police get waiting. out, waiting for something. I don't know what, scouting, who knows. Anyways, they they turn on the lights. They're probably they, looking at porn. Probably. <laughs> well, this is kind of before internet and iPhones, so yeah. who knows. But anyways, they get out of the car. They don't grab him. They grab me because mm. I'm somehow. I'm, You're the aggressive. I'm one. the aggressive one. I'm chasing yeah. him. They cuff me. You know everything. Put me down on the ground. What's going on? Meanwhile, I'm looking over and they're just talking to him, and he's the shoplifter. Of course, they don't know that, but I would, you know, I'd think that they would still sort of surmise maybe that some white boy. You know, chasing some homeless person through the tenderloin with a blow-up doll. Like, you know, what? how often do you see that? So I tell him the story, and I say, no, 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 I work at Frenchie's over here. This guy stole, you know, that's ours. He took it. He ran out of the store with it. It's merchandise, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, you know, let me, let's me let check this out. So then they go over, they get his story. Meanwhile, I'm hun- handcuffed on the ground. Yeah. He's, you know, just kind of telling the story. He's got a French or a trench coat on. And then they come back over to me and they say, well, I don't know. You probably don't know him. Um, you work at Frenchie's? I say, yeah. Well, you, this is um, Bill. You know, Bill's. he's had a rough time, you know. And, uh, he's oh, kinda, so they knew he's him. Ca- oh, yeah. First when, name basis. Right when he was running down the street. They were protecting him. He's he's kind of been down on his luck lately. Um, we'll give you back the doll. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think it would be a good good idea to press charges over any of this, you know. Okay, but when they were saying that, were they insinuating don't press charges? Exactly. They were protecting him? Exactly. But why? I don't know. And it was the weirdest... It's a crooked goddamn town. It really is. So that was my first kind of like, what is going on down here, you know? And um, I was too young to really get it. It's something that I've looked back on much later in life and thought like, wow, that was kind of really a milestone little situation where I was kind of confronted with a culture... In the way that we deal with crime and homelessness in the I mean, city, that on. is like it's in, it, it encourages it. I have theories on this. I mean, uh, the hard hard left corrupt the hard the corrupt hard left, not the ideologically hard left, because there really are people that are somehow believe in the really hard left com, uh, uh, communist type 
politics. They really believe it. But there's a hard left type that are just straight up corrupt. You know, and I, I keep telling people about this. Because now, of course, it's... Uh, and this is fair, by the way. You've got the rest of the country making fun of San Francisco. It's like, hey, you got poop all over. <laughs> San Francisco shithole. There's poop everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, well... That's a fair criticism because there is a lot of poop in the Tenderloin. There's a lot of poop by the freeway exits and stuff like that. Not my neighborhood. There's no yeah. poop in my neighborhood. There's probably no poop in your neighborhood. Well, you to know? blow it out, I mean, most of the big cities in the world have are, are crawling in poop. So exactly. But, but my, my point yeah. is, is like when you've got these situations, um, you want money. And there's no better way to get a $30 million homeless bond than by making the problem look even more terrible than it really is. You keep it because that's your vote. That's how you get the votes for the money. And then, come on, once they get that $30 million bond, it just gets split up amongst the cronies. They all get the... It's poverty pimping. You know what yeah. I mean? They they get money from it. There, there's a, it's a very lucrative business to pimp out poverty. It definitely seems like there's some sort of exacerbation machine that well, look it where it going. is. Yeah. It's almost it's almost relegated to the most visible places. They control it in neighborhoods, but wherever it's visible, it's like okay, yeah, let them build a tent city right there where everybody drives past it to the freeway. It's yeah. almost they they literally put it where the billboards are. Yeah, it's like wherever advertisers put their big billboards, that's where you're going to see the problem. It's almost is yeah. that blatant of marketing. To me. And now uh, you've got a lot of this tech money moving in um, and people, which I'm not against. I mean, uh, I'm but, not either. But, but these people, a lot of people that are moving in and since they're newcomers or whatever, when they say, well, you know, well, we've got a little problem here. There's needles all over the place. This person's dying. I think this person's dead. This person's covered in their own feces. Maybe we should do something about that. And then you got this whole choir of people that go up against them. Yeah, you know, and bring out all this. You of, rich motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. fucking tech bros ruining our tech city. Tech bros, that, that's that, the big that, one. Yeah. Oh god, I, I I actually filmed a couple of these little funny things I never posted. I always make all these funny little videos, you know, that I think I'll post and I never do. But one of them was I went down to the mission and pretended in the voice that stupid. I just sat in the mission like at noon. Your stupid Merkley voice? Yeah, that stupid Merkley <laughs> voice. When, when I, I I just sat there and pointed my camera at all these people going, fucking tech bros, man, there's a tech bro. But the, th the fact is there aren't any. If you go down there at noon in the mission, it's a bunch of uh, Mexican immigrants and people. It's hard to even find a white person walking around the mission in the middle of the day. Well, so here's what happened. You saw the video about the, um, I agree, you saw the video about the, um, the tech bros who thought they were entitled to the soccer field. Yeah. You? Remember that was a big mm -hmm. hoo-ha that blew yeah. up and everything? Yeah, but I mean, how, how... They followed a rule. There was a rule that said you could book the park. Yeah. If you don't want the rule, then you don't... They were just upset because it was Tech Bros that, that, that booked it. There what? was an actual rule that said, if you want to book this park for private uses, you can book it. So they did. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it was... It, it, what happened is people made that indicative oh, of this God. whole kind of cultural thing going on. And um, that's kind of what I'm saying. My big problem with San Francisco, it's not the new kids. I mean, it is in a way because this new overly left liberal tech money drives me nuts. I the know new that kids that you don't like are the problem, but not the new kids that you like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly that's exactly the same. But no, but I, I really don't see them as much the problem. The, the people that annoy me are guys my age. 
They're the moaning people who didn't do anything. They didn't plan for their life. They didn't buy property. They just decided no. they were going to uh, Peter Pan it through their whole life. And now they're they're realizing, oh shit, you really can't Peter Pan into your 50s. You know, I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't have a retirement fund. I think fund. Peter Pan should officially be a, an actual verb for this phenomenon. It's Peter Panning. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Peter Panners here. And now they're all upset because somebody owes them a low rent and somebody owes them this. I'm like, you realize the rest of the country, this this Peter Panning isn't tolerated in other places. Yeah. you yeah. got to get your shit together and pay your own way. Yeah, yeah but that uh, evil landlord, you fucking... You know, it's like, no, dude. Yeah. You know, that's not the way it goes. It's funny because I've heard that word before in terms of like a, an actual verb, Peter Panning, and I used to be kind of proud of it about, about San Francisco. You know, I used to be like, yeah. well, yeah, why can't Again, you just when come you're young, live your life and do what you want and you can be non, you know, you don't have to give in to uh, the status quo and you can be whoever you want to be and, you know, do whatever you want to do and why give in to uh, society's rigid... You know, uh, parameters of what life should be Why about. Why can't I just put my tent right here, man? I can just live wherever <laughs> I want. What the fuck, your property? Oh, your gate? Oh, what are you protecting in there, you greedy fuck? I'm just going to camp right here. Oh, like I need a toilet. I'm an animal just like anybody else. Your dog craps in the street. Why can't I? Brilliant. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know? It's true. And I've even had a lot of friends that are Peter Panning. I've Peter Panned for years myself. And um, at some point you realize, like, it's, there's a little yeah, bit of a... Yeah, but ha- you had children. You, you well, have Well, no, no, a I just family. recently have children. So that's what helped me get well, out of the Peter Well, not that recently. Panning. I saw them. They were kind of tall. Yeah, yeah. It, it, How old are they? Uh, six and eight. Eight. Okay, so not that recently. Yeah, but I mean, that was only still in my 40s. Uh, my first, my daughter You're was 47, born those, and you're 39. 39, Okay. Yeah. A little bit late. A little bit late. A little bit late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, better I'm, late than I'm ever. I'm here to admit, yeah. yeah. And so I spent my 20s and 30s running around, you know, uh, tentacles first up and down the mission and everything, going crazy and on drugs and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, being a DJ, putting on parties, blah, blah, blah. So I felt that once I hit, you know, got into my 40s, that's when it really started to be like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, and, but the thing is, I have tons of friends that are still doing all that. Yeah. And they're even older than me and still go, Peter Panning, as, yeah. as we could say. And, um, you know, I don't want to get judgmental about it. I don't know. The only thing I can speak on is my own life, you know, keeping my own kitchen well, clean. Well, okay. Let me ask you this, though. Um, this might be hard for you. This might be... Uh, okay, so this is what, what I've noticed about you, all right? <laughs> we, we don't know each other very well, right? But I have... Not we've too been, well. We've been, we've been uh, a social acquaintances and friendly sure. for about a decade now. About a decade, yeah. Maybe more mm-hmm. than a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I see you still kind of riding that line. Um, I've, I've, I've basically com- committed social suicide at San Francisco. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. I'm. I'm just. I don't care what anybody thinks about I don't me. I want to talk anymore. about that too. I don't yeah. give a fuck. I'm like. I'd I don't care. To, you I don't want to get under the hood with that. I right? am much more interested mm-hmm. in being honest and truthful about yeah. my ideas, and I am being well liked. And yeah. I, I, I flushed it down the toilet. I was a very well liked person a decade ago. It's a brave decision. I was, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't have it any other way. Keeping my lips zipped about stuff just to be, just to maintain the peace wasn't good with me. So I committed social suicide, you know, and just by just saying no, I'm gonna say it how I feel it. Yeah. I'm not going to 
bend the knee, so to speak, to you guys that are trying to bully me into your politics or whatever. Yeah. I see, I've seen you... Bending knee? Not bending knee, <laughs> but maybe being quieter about things. You're definitely more diplomatic uh, than I am, but I'm, I'm seeing you having... I can, I'm sensing these really adult opinions coming out of you, but what is the push? Are you feeling pressure and pushback from your people? Well, here's the, oh, of course, yeah, here's the thing, I think, and this is kind of, uh, this is a deep theme, I think that, um, I think one kind of central, uh, let's say, intellectual trope that I think is that a lot of this is so damn esoteric, you know what I mean? Like, tomorrow we could wake up, we could have, you know, I mean, you could talk about anything, you could talk about all the scary crap people thinks going on and Trump and blah, blah, blah. It's all going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all in fast forward to six years. We're going to have a completely different climate. Remember when we had W? Remember how everything was oh, I polarized remember. then? No, they were, call, they were calling. I remember I ran into an old bandmate of mine. Yeah. Right. My The lead singer of my old band in Utah also moved here. Yeah. In fact, my whole band moved here after we broke up as a band, even though when we were a band, I was trying to get them to move here. Everybody resisted moving here. Yeah. You know, when we were a band, I said, let's move to San Francisco. No, no, no. We break up. Everybody moved here anyway. But anyway, <laughs> I, I saw him at an, an at an incredibly strange wrestling event. And he was wearing a sandwich board. Was that a, what it was called officially? Do you, remember, you don't remember that? The no. incredibly strange wrestling. It sounds familiar. Yeah. It was kind of punk rocky. Yeah. You know, it was, um, what's his name's whole thing? That guy, I don't remember. Um, ah, I can't remember his name. But uh Anyway, he was wearing a sandwich board with a picture of George W. Bush uh-huh. with a, a Hitler mustache. So this is nothing new. Calling calling people you don't like Hitler isn't really new. It's just that it disappeared for eight years, pretty much, when Obama was president. Well, and I then mean, it's ramped up a billion degrees. Well, and to be fair, the the crazy people on the right had their own history, and it crazy. He's going to turn the White House into a pyramid, and. Death can't. Death sure, but we didn't that see that crap. here. We didn't see it here. Yeah. yeah. No. no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, the conservatives that were here well, didn't do it. I pushed back a little bit on Obama, as I meant to do, yeah. but I didn't. I didn't go. He's the worst thing. I. I, I, well, I controlled I, I mean, myself. I, mean, I think he wasn't. I voted for him the first time. Yeah. Well, I think what what I mean is like deep down, there's a piece of me that thinks like, I think what's going wrong in our or what's and I hate to use this word, but toxic. Mm-hmm. in our culture is that we're looking at politics first. When I look at Merkley, I'm looking at, oh, what do I know about what he believes in? Yeah, yeah. Poli- the, his political paradigm of the world. Everything. Oh, I look over here. Here's Cheryl. Here's Kelly. Here's my friend Mark. What do they think? And it's such a tiny fraction of who people are. I agree. And you wouldn't even know these things about uh, uh, these people without social media. And the social media obviously like gins that up of to course. a level where those are just the colors that you see. Well, really, would you even know these things about these people? You wouldn't no. because most of the time, that's what drives me crazy is like in San Francisco, a lot of these times I see these people's political posts and I know, because I know them socially, I know that they put almost zero time into politics. They're putting all their time into DJing and partying and all totally. these other things. Yes. So when you see their... When when it seems like they're adamant about some politics online, you're, I'm inclined to go, oh, fuck you. I know you don't think about this, and I know you don't even care about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so my thing is I just don't want to get wrapped up in that kind of looking at just that facade of what someone has glazed from some stupid BuzzFeed or the Hill article that they believe in. I see that all the time with my friends, and they repost, and God damn it, oh my God, we're on the verge of the next Holocaust. 
and I just try and take a step back and be like, you know what, it's it's happened to me. I've been, it's contagious. It's a crazy thing, but I don't want to read these people on just that level. We have so many things in common. This is a person I play piano with. I right? agree. Merkley, he you know, does this. I love his art, blah, blah, blah. So I try not to get swept up into that. I mean, I do have my political opinions about things, which I will get in. With hey, people. Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler have a lot in common. Do they? I mean, they have more in common than they don't. They have more in common than they do with me and that tree, or a starfish <laughs> and, a, and, a, and, a, and a and a parakeet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. We all really have a lot in common. Yeah. Like all every human being has more in common, way more than they don't. Yeah, and these little political, you know, chastising, galvanizing chasms that have sprung up. I mean, it's all, it's it's so ephemeral and, and trivial when you think about it. Um, that's not to say that a lot of times I feel very, I mean, I'm human. I feel like, you know, you guys are full of bullshit. Come on, let's everyone rein this back. Let's everyone do our due diligence. Look into these articles. We're being bullshitted to, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to, um, and that's something I think about you. I like, God damn, how does this guy? He's he was actually posting. I'm gonna I'm gonna exaggerate it here just mm-hmm. for a fact, but tens of thousands of people who left him on Facebook. Oh, well, no, it's it's, it's not even I'm really exaggerating, obviously, but it's not even that much of an exaggeration, though. It's like pissing them all off. And yeah, and on one level, I'm thinking, like, that's horrendous. And, you know, on another level, I'm thinking, like, I got to give it to Merkley for having, you know, this, uh, I don't know, fortitude or bravery to stick to his guns, you know. Well, about what, is he, he what other in. choice is there? I mean, that's the other thing. And I was going to ask you. It's the walking on eggshells choice, Merkley. That's what I mean. <laughs> well, I want to, and that to me is a bad scenario. And I did that for eight years. I just walked on eggshells. I kept, I held my tongue and all that stuff. But I don't know if you held it that much. I did. Oh, compared to, come on, compared to the last couple of years? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I would, I would, mm-hmm. I would at least get in there and I'd, I'd put a little spin on it and make it. Yeah. I'd, there'd be a teaspoon of sugar. Yeah. To help the medicine go go down. And yeah. then, but now it's just like no, forget it. So was there an actual milestone moment when you made this decision? I think so. I think it's when when Trump was running yeah. and everybody started calling him Hitler and yeah. literally just doubled down. It wasn't like when they called George W. Bush Hitler. Back then, it, it was kind of like we can call anyone Hitler, but we don't really mean it. Yeah, it just means he's. A it was a sandwich jerk. board at a, yeah. an incredibly yeah, yeah. strange wrestling event. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But, but now, but it started. It started to get real. Yeah. And I started going, you guys are talking about the people who I love and who I grew up with and I know that are actually more charitable than you are. They actually do real charity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't work for a nonprofit and get a healthy paycheck and pretend that they're doing charity. Yeah. You know, they're doing it. So I really I, I, I didn't I couldn't be patient with it anymore because yeah. it started to get really dangerous. And I started getting and then I started getting real threats of violence and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow. But that kind of made me want to do it more yeah. like i'm going this really is serious you know it's not just a joke yeah you know like how often do you find yourself censoring yourself or pulling back for fear of reprisal all the time and what kind of reprisals <clears throat> i've lost friends um you know i don't know i guess i'm an incredibly vain human is what it comes down to but you know and these are not people that are like my best friends who i'm right. my best friends all know me and they don't they they, yeah. they see the political stuff and they just go whatever you know I've known him for twenty years and I'm I know who he is so that doesn't matter to me 
these are my lifelong best friends. But um, and I'm going back to that too. Like my old friends, of course, yeah. haven't done any of that to me. Yeah, they no, you know? your real friends don't do that. But um, I think there was there's there's a bit of vanity in in um, being like a promoter, which is yeah, your, your, of course, your your um, you're reliant on communities, you know. Yeah, and, last and thing you want is Antifa showing up to your party. <laughs> exactly. So you're trying to you're trying to you know gather people. You're telling them this is a fun event. Go to this event. This is going to be fun. So the last thing you want is like to have some sort of you know uh, uh, I don't know uh, uh, what's perceived as toxic um, version of that or or strain of that go on within it. So obviously I've I've tried to you know, curtail around those things. Sometimes it hasn't worked out so well. But Sometimes I've seen I'm, you dip in your toe. That's what I'm saying. Dip in my I, toe to what? I've seen you dip in your toe into being a little bit... Um, well, you can't help it. After a while, you get the, the insanity of it all. You, you go and, you're watching people just fall for the most ridiculous, histrionic, hyperbolic bullshit, you know? And what woke me up... Here's what here's what happened to me, basically. Right. I was I was, you know, I've been a pretty liberal guy all my life you know went to a progressive university voted democrat mm-hmm. it was always very like oh no the republicans are the evil people that mm-hmm. want to keep us in you know in chains or or all this crap and and i i live my life like that I had very progressive parents uh atheists kind of tibetan buddhist my dad um and uh what really kind of, if we want to get into the vernacular, red build me, mm-hmm. um, was when Milo came to Berkeley. Right. Oh yeah. That I was, was always, a big one. I was already kind of getting into weird uh, uh, back and forth with people online about cultural appropriation because mm-hmm. I thought it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And having culture I, is appropriation. Well, by the what, way. what had happened with me is I, I was a, I'd, I've studied a lot of jazz. I was mm-hmm. I'm a jazz bassist, and I I'd, I'd studied a lot of it and knew a lot about uh, you know the history of jazz and and all of its amalgamations and everything. And um, when I started seeing people say really, really what I thought was just cardboard caricature stuff mm-hmm. about, you know, white people taking things from black, right? Uh, you know, culture and making... I mean, there's something to be said for that, Elvis. As if blah, you're not blah, supposed blah. to. As if nobody's supposed to borrow and admire. Yeah. yeah. And so immediately that kicked in and I was like, well, Stay wait, 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 in your wait, lane, wait. buddy. Yeah. Immediately I was like, there is no cult. There is no culture is not a stagnant thing. There's it's no parameters on it. It's to be appropriated. Culture is yeah. appropriation. Literally, yeah. it's taking something somebody else invented yeah. and saying, I like that too. That's us. Yeah. And so I had a knee-jerk reaction against what I started to see is some of the, um, the, I don't know, I guess we call them social justice warriors coming mm-hmm. out uh, uh, about that stuff. I was like, wait a minute, culture is completely fluid and yeah. we're all involved and, and it's it's something that's changing. There's no parameters on it. Nobody owns it, blah, blah, blah. So I'd always, I was already getting into trouble with some of that stuff. But what really kind of uh, turned the tides was when um, Milo came to Berkeley and... The all center of, sudden, of free speech... I didn't know yeah. who he was. Yeah. I didn't. I'd never heard. I didn't know Milo from Adam. Uh, but I saw people beating people, bloody. Yeah. You know, uh, in Literally. Berkeley, and I was like, "Well, what is going on here? This seems like a very significant cultural situation. Like, what's the story? Oh, okay, there's a Nazi. Oh, there's a Nazi speaking at Berkeley. <laughs> and then, of course, I have kind of a. Uh, I like to look into the. Yeah, um, 
I don't know, the darker side of humanity a lot. So I was like, well, who is this Nazi? You know, just curious about what, what's going on there. Yeah, like, well, this how, is great. how bad is this guy? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know. Like, I'm kind of, you know. And uh, turns out. So I start listening to him and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this guy's gay. He's married to a black guy. He's he, Jewish. He's Jewish. <laughs> what the hell? How far over our skis are we with this person? Like, what am I talking about? And I had my friends all saying, like, you know, all supporting. Um, beating up people and the Nazis and everything. And I made a little thing where I came out and I said, you know, maybe everyone, he's not a Nazi. We might have <laughs> kind of like uh, over-confabulated this thing and he might just be some conservative, weird, hybrid gay dude, you know? And the avalanche that I took for that, you know? And uh, yeah, I and, took and it my for community my and everything, like, you motherfucker. You white supremacist. Yeah. One, one gal even told me, she said, fuck you and the white supremacist horse you rode in on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, see what I mean? It's just like, you think, hello, wait a minute. I literally moved to the land of the misfit toys to get away from yeah. people like this. So yeah. that that was the first peek behind the, the veil that yeah. opened up like, whoa, I think there's some hypocrisy going on here, you know. Yeah, and I, I don't even know. I don't. I wish I knew what it was all about. I, I really feel like it's mostly fear driven. Like it I keep, is. I keep saying that. It's totally fear driven. Uh, nobody fears a leftist like a leftist. You know, it's like even when you get into religion. I don't want to get you into trouble, but like when you look at nobody, get me into trouble. Nobody, nobody fears Islam quite like a Muslim. A Muslim fears Islam more than anybody. Absolutely, that's the whole point. Meaning that more, more, you're more likely to, as a Muslim, you're more likely to die from other Muslims. Yes. Or what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and yeah. also just be a victim of that rain. Correct. You know, you're yeah, yeah. when you're when you're stuck in a burqa and you can barely see through a little slit. Yeah. It, you're yeah. not. You're a victim. You're you're a hostage. That's yeah. not a free choice that people make. They don't do that. So they're the and I and I feel the same way about really hard lefties. I feel like a lot of people. People that I know, like I get private messages all the time from people saying, "Oh man, thanks for saying what you said." I do I would, too. I would say I it, but I, I don't. I can't get fired, and it would cause a whole thing. And you know, because yeah. look what happened to you for just for saying, yeah. uh, "Excuse me, maybe the gay Jew with a black husband <laughs> yeah. isn't a Nazi. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you can pull that back." And then when they're, it's like, no, there is no. Pushing back on that. Well, and what really scared me, too, is if we're just talking about Facebook, then I don't really give a shit. We can argue till the cows come home about who Nazis Bleeds are. Over. But I saw actual people being beaten, beaten. violence yep. in the streets. Yeah. And that kind of spooked me. I'm like, here's some people that are actually being beaten for a political, be it something maybe I don't, in my case, I didn't even maybe agree with it. There's some conservative that believes this or that, but we're beating them bloody in the streets. There is a little bit of good news okay. here. Um I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no. Okay. Um, I looked, it was around that time too when I got started getting really serious about it and I was, and it was when Trump was running. Yeah. That was, he wasn't president yet, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of people say Milo helped Trump get uh, elected and I think so, maybe, because when you got a gay guy, it becomes the champion of the young Republicans. Yeah. It really blows, it, it adds, it puts a stick of dynamite on the whole trope that Republicans hate gays, they're racist. It, yeah. it ruins that narrative. Yeah, it yeah. ruins it. And, and I think that really frightened a lot of people. They're like, damn it, all my worldviews are coming crashing down. I can't hate the Republicans like I used to because yeah. 
their hero right now is a gay Jewish guy <laughs> who is married to a black man. It yeah, really true. is a frustrating thing to come across oh. something like that. And and kind of and it, you know in a more of a overarching like you know I was never even a Trump supporter. I thought the guy was a schmuck, kind of a used car mm-hmm. dealer guy. And I think there's a a, a a constituency of people like myself who were never really even into Trump, but we see him as this weird, as this valuable icon in terms of he has become this Rorschach for the left. For and sure. He's brought out these weird feelings that they've had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not into Trump. I don't, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I can take him or leave him as any politician. But I'm you're right. It's a, it, but, it, but the way he triggers is really way, revealing. It's really revealing. And so it's like I've kind of it's almost like appreciated... like ripping off that Scooby-Doo mask. I've kind of appreciated <laughs> his his term in just in, in, in regards to what it has revealed about what others see as America and how bad they see, how, how hyperbolic And again, see. I don't think they see it that way. I think the, the most of America are, are just nice people. They're trying to get along... But that's centrist. true, but I'm talking yeah. about the people that see, right. project this yeah. other America where the KKK is is behind every scene. And do you really? You but know. how many? I don't think most of the people that even profess to believe in that believe it. I think that most of them are using that as a fear tactic to get their guy in. I think they it's a desperate it's measure. An interesting point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, oh, I, was, I was getting to this good news. So when that all happened with Milo and all that stuff in Berkeley. Um, I started looking up the people that were getting arrested, these Antifa people. I started looking them up online. Here they, locally in Berkeley? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, because they, they cap your friend level at, at 5,000 on yeah. uh, Facebook. But that's still plenty. That's a lot of people. <laughs> and so usually if I, if, it's very rare that somebody lives in the Bay Area that I can click, find their profile, click on it, and share no mutual friends. Right? Usually there's an overlap. At least five people. Well, with maybe 5, with you, Merkley. <laughs> no, but really. But then I started clicking on these Antifa people, these really hard lefties, violent ones, and there wasn't any overlap. So I was going, huh, isn't that interesting? That there's well, how no... are you finding their, how are you identifying their profiles? Just finding their names. You just Where find were you names. finding their names? Um, off uh, Antifa Twitter. Uh, You're actually them... doing deep dive oh, into sure. Antifa? Absolutely, because... You are a maniac. Well, and also because <laughs> I was concerned because, you know, my vans were getting vandalized and stuff like that, too. And, and yeah. so th- the way that I've been speaking, I've been thinking, well, it's only a matter of time before they target me. And so I wanted to see... If I if some of those are in my circle, then that would raise my concern level. Yeah, you know because that means they'd be seeing my posts yeah. and they'd be sh- seeing the interactions on my posts. Turns out no overlap, which is kind of befuddling to me. You know that with all of these people in the Bay Area, there's really no overlap of the Antifa social circle and my lefty Bay Area likes naked girls, likes to party. Yeah, uh, social. Well, circle. why do you think that is? I mean. I just think that I think that they're they're fr- more fringe than we think. That's good news. Yeah, you know they're yeah. more fringe than we think. It, it it makes me feel good that there isn't a lot of overlap there. Yeah, I yeah, would have been a lot yeah. more bummed out if these people all had ma- like you share four hundred and forty seven friends in common. Yeah, that would be a bummer. <laughs> but it turns out no friends in common. You know, I was thinking, okay, well at least it's not th- as close as I think. Yeah, you know. Well, I've had friends who are actually in them. In Antifa, and uh, had to, you know. You would have been the overlap if I would have looked them up. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, because I've yeah. had friends that are definitely involved in it, and definitely, and, you know, and you've, you've. Well, it sounds good. 
I'm anti-fascist. Well, it's, it's a LARPer's dream. Yeah. You're fighting, you're in a comic book DC yeah. Marvel movie. Who or, isn't, yeah. an, that's what, <laughs> one of the things that drives me crazy about the the word is like, who isn't anti-fascist? Like, yeah. Everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like duh. Yeah, you're fighting evil. I'm anti-mosquito. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. I'm so is everybody. spaghetti monster. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're going to get out there and kill the thing before it destroys humanity. I'm yeah. anti-Hitler. Oh, okay. Great. So, so. You know, and that, that's kind of how it is, too. And you, you have to just back off and say, okay, well, you got to find your own path and, and whatever that is. But at the same time, I feel like it's a horrible thing when they when it turns into violence against free speech because I'm a big free speech person, you know? Yeah. So I don't I don't like that, and I, I try and criticize that when, when I see it, you know? Like, okay, you're shutting down this person for saying this, or you're, you're hype, you know, you're... you're Hyperbolizing this person into this into some sort of the word, which is the very worst example of humanity. Yeah, exactly. From the last, the number one you worst have been one. Like, oh no, you're kind of like uh, Genghis Khan. No, 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 no. Let's go right to Hitler. He's the most popular one. <laughs> it'd be funny if they. <laughs> it'd be funny if people would actually get. Um, more precise and not go for the worst one. Yeah. They, they would just pick somebody that's kind of bad. Yeah, I'm kind of into just Charles the, you know, or... or uh, you know, like, uh, who, who's one? <laughs> uh, you know who you're like? The Zodiac Killer. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's totally like the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. Or who's somebody that's... You know who you're like? You're just like Bill Cosby. Well, you know what? You know what, it, what it, I think what it happened is, and this is a, a cultural milestone, is Charlottesville. Um, Charlottesville... You did have, and I and oh, I say God, this. I deep dove into that one too. And if you want to get in trouble right now, I deep dove and I watched the video over and over again from multiple angles of this alleged white supremacist that ran over people. He didn't just run over people. Right. He was driving slowly down the street. Suddenly, a, a couple of Antifa people start smashing his car with clubs from the back. He freaks out and punches the gas. I go. That's that looks like fight or flight to me, and then suddenly runs people down. It didn't. It wasn't in at all. I'm just going to run over people. That's my plan. It's like, oh shit, they're banging on my car. Yeah. It's like every horror movie is a bunch of zombies starting to bash on your car, and you're stuck in there, and they eat your brains. Yeah. You know? There's a fight or flight response. To totally, that. totally. And I, I mean, I won't pretend to know that story, but I mean, yeah. be that as it may. That was where they actually were able to corral. There's always been actual neo-Nazis in our in our country, right, and always. unfortunately, that's there why, will probably always be. That's why I was in a ska band. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there we've seen them for at least as long as I've been alive. The decades where they're walking down the streets of you know uh, uh, Pork Band, Utah, with their Nazi flags and everything. Somehow they were able to corral them all into. And I've got theories about this. I've I've heard different theories about it. Corral them all into Charlottesville. We're still not talking about more than 300 people. Oh, less than that. Yeah. You're talking maybe 50 people. You're talking about the tiniest sliver of the American culture, of so American small. Uh, demographic. But Half it was of so teenagers. scary that the media could take that and, and say, blow it Charlottesville is that everywhere. That we're still talking about it's it everywhere now. if. It's everywhere yeah. yeah. And that was one little tiny town where these little, there was, you basically got a bunch of people out of the woods. You had them all there. There they are. And, you know, there, it's not like it's some major, major campaign going on throughout American consciousness. But nobody wants to talk about the fact that that's, you're talking about 50 guys, you know, against these guys. And you're talking about a fight where two, two parties were involved, you know, the Antifa. Like, you shouldn't be beating somebody's car with clubs. 
especially if it's a car driving down a cram-packed alleyway. Don't do that. The chances that they're going to hit the gas are probably pretty high. So you're standing up for the Nazis. Interesting. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what people would want to think with that. It's like, no, you've got to look at the whole story. Yeah. you got to go, did this guy... It would be one thing if the guy, if you could see him just mowing down a bunch of people unprovoked. Like, you'd go... Holy shit. I don't even know the story, actually. That's crazy. I, I didn't even know There's that. There's a guy yeah. in his charger. He's driving down, trying to get through traffic. The the, the, the whole mm. thing is packed, and then people start beating on the back of his truck. I know that when, when crowds face off, and you see this all the time recently in Portland, Proud Boys and Antifa and everything, bad things are going to happen. It's just inevitable. If somebody was beating on my car, I might gun it. Fight or flight is a real thing. Yeah. You know, you might go, fuck, I got to get out of here. Anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. I mean, but it, but that is one of the big talking points. Everybody goes, whoa. That's well, a- they try and project it onto everything else. Yeah. Charlotte, and then if you talk about anything else, well, no, Charlottesville. And remember how Trump said, uh, you know, good people on both sides, and which was, they really fucked up what he said. It wasn't, he wasn't talking about that. Um, but... They try and make it this blanket for the United States yeah, now. everybody's like that. And I don't deny that there's racism in the United States. I know it firsthand in my own family, you know, with some of the older generation stuff. But we've come a long way, and there's been so much that has, that has changed. And now I think It's that mostly good. It's people mostly get very good. along. It's for the most part, you, good. you walk yeah. into Walmart and people are nice to each other. Everybody's wanting to get along. Yeah. There's less of the bullshit than there ever has been. But every tiny incident, including everyone that's made up, and boy, do people like to invent drama. You know, they love to invent a hate crime. Yeah. That Jesse Smollett thing, the, I mean, he's Jesse the perfect... Yeah, but it's really, that that happens almost... Remember right after he was elected, and there was this, everybody like, ah, oh, I got hate crime, I got hate... Every one of them, there's this website that says uh, fake hate crimes, and it just lists yeah, all of them. Yeah, I saw that. And there's so many of them, they're yeah. almost all fake. And I have experience with that, too, because growing up religious, everybody wants to invent a Satan story. Are you a Satanist? No, they want to invent a Satan story. Oh, like, gotcha. A story like, oh, this is the time I was confronted with the devil. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. a thing, you wow. know. Like that. people like that, like Christians yeah, wanting yeah. to invent their their brush with Satan. It's kind of like Satan. a milestone. You something you have to overcome. Well, it, what it or? does is it it validates and verifies the belief system. That's really what it is. Okay, even a better thing is my my mom dated this hypnotist named Ravine. Right? He was a big hypnotist in the 70s. You got to look him up. He looks like Wolfman Jack. Is he Jack. from New Orleans? I mean, he's from Canada. But he would tour the country and he'd do these uh, massive Your parents are from things. Calgary, right? Uh, born in Calgary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we grew up in Utah. Yeah. But she dated this guy and I went and saw a few of his shows and I saw these mass hypnosis things. He'd invite a bunch of people up on stage. Right, right. And um, he would pretend to hypnotize them. And, for the, the, and crowd would believe it. But he'd invite like maybe 50 people up and then he'd start dismissing them. And then by the, to figure out what group he wanted to hypnotize. And then he eventually whittled the group down to about 12 or 15, 13. And I remember asking him as a kid, I was probably only about 10 years old. I was like, how do you choose which ones are going to stay and which ones are going to go? And he goes, I know who's going to play along. I do little tests. He, he told you this as he, a, like an aside. He was up front with me. Yeah. He was actually really upfront with me. Wow. He was like, oh, I just see who's going to play along. He was like, I don't really hypnotize people. It's just like, you see who's going to play along. And he has little ways, little tests. Why did he divulge that to you? 
You ever thought about that? I was a ten-year-old kid. He didn't care. I, I don't think I don't think he was a charlatan. It's like Penn, Penn and Teller. You know, mm-hmm. I like those guys in the fact that they're not they they debunk magicians. And like also one of my no. uh, my big heroes is um, what's his name? Now I'm forgetting his name. James Randi, a magician who debunks people who actually pretend to have magical powers. Hmm. You know, but he's an actual magician. He's like, no, this is a trick. It's a trick. It's fun. It's for so entertainment. So he's giving away all magicians' tricks. This person, James Randi and Penn and, Te- Penn and Teller, oh. do that. They're like, this is a trick. They won't tell you how they did it, but they will tell you okay. that there's no magic. Yeah, here. yeah. This yeah. is an illusion, and they'll often sometimes show you exactly how you did it, how yeah. they did it, and you'll be amazed. And they don't like the magicians that are charlatans that are trying to claim uh, metaphysical uh, or mystical. You know, are there really those yes. type of magicians out there now? Oh yeah, that are really actually look up James standing- Rand- James Randi first got, came on the scene because he uh, debunked um, that psychic that Johnny Carson was really he de- he debunked him on Johnny Carson's show. What's his name? I can't remember. I thought Johnny Carson, was but he a was bending and- spoons and stuff like that, and making oh, yeah. them fall apart. And James Randi was going going on saying, "This is how he does it," and huh. he, he he's had this million dollar award. Uh, saying anybody that can prove that they have metaphysical or uh, mystical powers, you can claim this prize. Anybody that can prove they're a psychic, I'll give you this million dollar prize <laughs> if I can't prove you're doing a trick. And he and he proved also like these uh, traveling preachers. He caught one of them with a microphone in their ear and he picked Ooh. up the signal and busted them. So James Randi's one of these guys too. What was I yeah. going with this? What were we talking about? What was the Hollywood movie that's made about those? The 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 tent. Uh Evangelist, remember? Was Steve Martin in it? No, no. It goes back to like the 40s or 50s. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, Ravine. I was talking about Ravine. And he, I was saying that people will go along with it. Why would, that was a huge tangent. I think we were relating it to walking on eggshells and people. And we were talking about Nazis and... Um, lost my train of thought. Yeah, no. I, I, I The walking on eggshell thing is very... Is very poignant to me because I, I'm I'm walking on eggshells, quite You are. <laughs> I, I see that. I see that. I see that, and I, in one way, I want to say stop it because, except for you know what the, the fucked up thing about the Bay Area is is I, I mean this is another one of the private messages that I keep getting a lot of is um, private messages from people on former lefties pe- people that have attacked me. Yeah. In years past, people that have come after me and said, you know, well, you're this and you're that, white male. And then all of a sudden, they'll send me a message, a private message to apologize. They go, you know what happened to me the other day? And I go, let me guess. Somebody told you to shut up because you're a white male, a straight white male. Yeah, exactly. And this person called me a racist and I got ganged up on in this thing. And I'm like, well, see, see DJ, Mr. DJ that everybody <laughs> loves. They're coming after you too. It's only a matter oh, yeah. of time. Oh, yeah. But that's what I mean about the whole thing of Nobody fears the left like the left. Well, it's the whole, there's the cannibalization whole, uh, you know, ideal uh, trope about it. And that's true. And the, circu- the circular firing squad. All the time, circular firing squad. Yeah. Yep. Now the Puritan, they're, they're taken out. Now, no, you were the wrong, no, you didn't step up, you didn't blah, blah. And um, I ho- I really hope that people are, I, mean, I don't know, I really hope that people are waking up to that. Um, I, 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 I feel a true. fatigue. I feel a fatigue coming on, and like I keep saying, is like I've I've see the, the funny thing about me is I I 
I was at first defending Trump just because I defend everybody. Like I got in trouble for defending Weinstein. I got in trouble for defending you. Defended Weinstein. I got in trouble for you monster. I got in trouble for defending that uh, uh, cooking chef, that lady who was a lady that loves butter. You know, and she said a bad word. I I I have a defend. uh, uh, Well, that's kind of I have a defense lawyer's mentality. I want to defend when I hear some, when I see somebody being attacked. My first inclination is to go. Well, what makes you f- so fucking great? Yeah, you're attacking this I, person. I call it kind of a I, I call it a, a Johnny Cash kind of uh, you know like always kind of for the people that are beaten down, the people that have been you know like you're always kind of. I mean, obviously he was a big prisoner yeah. person. Did you know? Yeah, it is that. And it's kind of like you're always like you know what? Well, how he how non-human is this person? There's a bit of humanity. It's kind in this of a person. Jesus thing, really. It's I mean, very it's Jesus a Jesus thing. thing. Yeah. It's just like he yeah. who is without sin casts exactly. a first stone. That exactly. stuff stuck in my mind, and I've always yeah. been like, how dare you attack this person? Yeah. What's so great about you? Why and when you, you slow and down? And when you get attacked, you actually it kind of doubles down on your feeling about that. When you see other people get attacked, you're like, well, how you know bad? And of course, there's assholes out there. There's people that are. You know, there's bad people that are doing things, but I don't know. And and, and in that, I think I'm really liberal. I think I'm. You are. Yeah, you're, I'm very. You're a, you're I'm a willing to go liberal. out on yeah. what do they call it? Hard on hard on your uh, on your sleeve and and defend people or, or at least try and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think that's a. I think that's a basic tenet of being a kind human being is to give the benefit of the doubt and go, hold on, yeah. slow down, yeah. everybody chill out. Yeah. You're calling a gay guy, gay Jew, <laughs> married to a black guy, a Nazi. Just slow Let's down. in the reins here. Just slow down. <laughs> you know, all you got to do, think about it, sleep on it. To yeah. dig in, actually go, but I don't think people have time for that, or and they're afraid to they're do it too. It's all fear. It's all, all fear. this comes down like, to fear. What if, what if I click on a Milo link and then somebody sees that I clicked on a Milo link? Yeah. You know, what if I accidentally like it? There is a lot of that too. People will literally tell me, I can't even like your stuff because if I like it, you know, people can see that you like this post. Yeah, it's public. You know? yeah, and then yeah. that's an endorsement. Yeah, and as if there's something wrong with endorsing basic reasonable things like <sighs> guess what. All Republicans aren't Nazis. Hate to inform you. I know it might shatter your worldview. Well, you know what? That's kind of a big thing now with the internet is like how we're all in a powwow about looking at each other and what each other's moves might be or each other's, you know, who we might like or who we dislike or who we're, what do they call it, uh, uh, signaling, Yeah, you know, to, I mean... It all comes down to that, and everyone's sort of watching in this weird way. There's a great Twilight Zone episode. Um, there's a million great Twilight episodes. Twilight Zone episodes, obviously, but there's one where they kind of—I don't know if you've seen it. Where they, I can go with episodes. Episodes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where they like run to from house to house trying to figure out who there's some there was some alien spacecraft that crashed in someone's backyard and it's starting to do weird things like turn off people's electricity or all of a sudden their car is out of gas. So everyone are everyone's experiencing this wild stuff, but they don't know what the impetus of it is. So they start going around accusing their neighbors. Merkley, right? You did it. What are you doing? Do you yeah. know about this? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And you're like, No, I don't know what's going on. My car's out of gas too. My oven doesn't work. It sounds I'm, like Kafka. It's very Kafka. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the conspiracy, you know, and the accusatory. Uh, well, it, uh, it's a deflection. Yeah, you know, it really is. A lot of it is like. Um, I made a podcast called Empathy yesterday, and it's about that. Um, when there might be a dark side to empathy, 
You know, people always think that it's this beautiful thing, like, oh, I can feel how another person feels. But it also, that doesn't just include their sadness or whatever. It also includes projection. So you can go, it's very easy for a person to project things onto others, the things that they think themselves. I usually yeah. find that's mostly the yeah. truth. Like when somebody goes, you're a racist. I'm going, what do you need to talk about here? What's going on? You know? <laughs> Let's talk about these feelings that you're having, because they originated in your mind. It's they didn't worse, originate. They didn't originate from their actions. They originated in your mind. Now, what is it in your mind? What imagination? I want to talk about what you imagined this person feels, and I want you to realize that that is in your mind. You know, that story is a story you created, and let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about why yeah. you created this vision in your mind that these people are Nazis. Well, that's kind of a common thing going on contemporarily. I mean, with a, in terms of, like, you always say, like, what, how do we turn into Smurfs? The racist, he racist, the race is he's racist, and racist, he <laughs> racist, berries are racist, and now we're racist. And it's like, God damn, we're Wait, just supplanting is there a, this. Wait, is there a Smurf song I'm missing? <laughs> well, I mean, were they, you riffing off a Smurf song that I don't well, know? Well, no, no, the Smurfs would supplant all their vocabulary with the word Smurf. Oh, okay. So they'd be like, Papa Smurf went to the Smurf to Smurf to Smurf, Smurf. Oh, and, okay. uh, and the Smurf, other Smurfs would understand what they were saying. They could decode it or whatever. Okay. But as a viewer, you were kind of like, wow, they just talk in Smurf. <laughs> well, that's how it's become with racism. He's a racist because racism is racist. Racism that. and yeah. racism is going on here. He's a racist and, and you see it. Well, another another up. thing is that, that um, that's so convenient about racism is it's, to me it's the new it's the new evil. It's the new ghost. Because you can't see it, it's just floating out there. It's this invisible thing. It's a, it's a, it's a thing you can pin on anybody because they can't prove otherwise. You can't. If somebody calls you a witch, you've got to just go, okay. Because how There's do you no prove? There's no empirical. How do you prove you're yeah. not a witch? Yeah. There's no way to prove you're not a racist. It's an easy label yeah. to pin on somebody. It's the old scarlet letter. It is the new Puritanism yeah. for sure. It's the new, it's, a, it's welcome back to Salem, you're a racist. Yeah. Now, you're on trial, you're convicted, now die. And they're projecting it around, and you see it swirling around in their own head, and then you see some clouds, and you're like, okay, white clouds, racist. You're, you're projecting it onto all these, you know, uh, uh, corners of reality that... Well, that's that Twilight Zone episode that you're yeah, talking to. Yeah, it's exactly. like, if I, if I accuse that guy of doing it, nobody will think I did it. That's I think that's a lot of the psychological background noise that's going on. It's like if I accuse this guy, if I get on the internet and call XYZ people Nazis, people will for sure not think I'm a Nazi. Yeah. That's why you see so many of these people are white people because they're more afraid. Exactly. They're more likely to be yeah. targeted as being yeah. that evil yeah. thing. So they have to get out in front of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I got to get out in front of this first. I got to start calling somebody else this first yeah. because otherwise, what happens if they start calling me that? And that's the notes that I get in my private inbox. Same, same. The go, fear it happened the, to me. The fear mm -hmm. that they're going to be all of a sudden, you know, ostracized for whatever thing. Um, yeah. And they will eventually. That circular, circle, circular firing squad will catch up. I think it'll. I think it'll probably burn out first. And that's what I see happening. I mean, if you're following uh, the stories, it seems like the hard left media sites are all failing. They're all going out of business. Are they really? Is that oh, true? yeah. Um, what was that. the one that just went down? Um, um, one of the biggest ones just went down yesterday. Tim Poole was uh, reporting about it. I would uh, like to see some think of them. Think Progress. I don't think even know that. One, one of the more popular ones. 
yeah. bankrupt. They're all going bankrupt, you know, because it's that get woke, go broke kind of a thing. It's not yeah. really mm. popular. It's not really how people think. It's it's a form of mania. I swear it's a form of mania. Yeah. It's a fear-based form of reaction. I don't know. I wish it would go away, though, because it's make it has made San Francisco almost intolerable for, for a guy from Utah. So you're moving. Well, if I can ever get off my if I can get a, if I can get off my lazy ass and fix up my house to sell it, yeah. Yeah. Where are you, but, where are you looking at in terms of uh, you know destinations? what? Honestly, going back to Utah these days, I I hate leaving the ocean, right? Yeah. But where are we sitting right now? We're sitting in a van, and I can take this thing wherever I want. So my home be, home my home base could basically be anywhere. Yeah. You know. So I don't know, but um, God, I just I hate saying goodbye to. All the wonderful things that I love about San Francisco, like the weather and the architecture and the, the smell of this park, even the eucalyptus trees yeah, yeah, and great. the proximity to the ocean. Oh, my God. These things yeah. I love so much about San Francisco. Like, literally, I love going out to the beach and walking yeah. down. The, the air here, I absolutely love. If I could just transplant in, you know, if this, if this city wasn't 100% the way it is, like zero people in my district voted for Donald Trump. Zero people. That that's not balanced. I I, I want to live somewhere where it's at least twenty five percent of people on the other side. I would love a fifty fifty place this where people just really in, had to get along. San Francisco is a liberal progressive city. <laughs> I know. <Merkley. laughs> I moved from the I moved from the reddest of the red to the bluest of the blue. I made a tape about that too. But and I can tell you. The reddest of the red are more tolerant. I think we talked about this. We did. You, yeah. you talked about uh, your your kids go to a Catholic school, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you were talking about. I don't want to... So, basically, I was talking about how a lot of... I think there's a weird thing that we're kind of trained to figure out, trained to think, like, um, we're, quite, we're sort of trained to think like we go to these big cosmopolitan, you know, cities, and that's where... And I believe this for years... Um, and I even kind of put my own theory, you know, uh, um, advanced it, that was like, well, maybe there's because there's they're port cities, there's more interaction with people from all over the world. That's why San Francisco's liberal. That's why LA's liberal. That's why New York's liberal. Boston, they have more interaction with the other. Um, and I sort of believed that for a long time, but um, then I started finding these enclaves of. Well, what happened is I started finding that the people that I thought were very open-minded about stuff were actually very super sealed into kind of a groupthink. Absolutely. You know, type of situation. About Way more. Something. Like, to me, the left people, my friends, many friends on the left, they don't want to talk about anything. No. It's settled science. No. Whereas with my Mormon really conservative... And they don't really know, too. Like, my super conservative <laughs> friends... We'll engage on any topic. Yes. Respectfully. Yes. So I put my kids into Catholic school, start talking to the other parents, and they're very provincial people. These are very cut and dry, you know, like um, soccer moms. and. Um, I mean, they know. did move to San Francisco for whatever No, reason, no, they grew yeah. up. Their families they grew up here. are here. Yeah, yeah okay. they're kind of like, they've got this whole mm-hmm. genetic line. But um, they don't have a, they're super... I would even say libertine about the things that go on and the people and different political persuasions. They might have their own political beliefs about certain things, but they um, they just didn't come at me with kind of that that weird sanctimonious 
I don't, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, judgment. Yeah. No. You know, um, you they're kind of like, oh, you believe be that, or you're kind of like this. Oh, you're one of those Burning Man people. Oh, you go out to that. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. Cool. You know. I actually keep trying to tell people this, that the nature, one of the biggest misunderstandings people have of conservatism is that it's static, that there's a stasis on it. And it's not. It's fluid, too. It's just a slow adoption of ideas. So what what are, at one time, liberal ideas slowly get absorbed into conservatism. So a one-time liberal idea eventually becomes a conservative idea, meaning that they want to conserve that idea. Yeah. The idea hasn't yeah. changed. No, that's true. But they're just going, but now that's part of our canon. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so many of these things that we grew up... Uh, like, I grew up and I rebelled against religion. I rebelled against the Mormon church because I, uh, I didn't like the way they uh, thought about um, uh, gay people, mostly. You know, gay people drinking, um, outsiders. They had a. They jug- still is that still up to date? Is that a is that a well? They're changed a lot. They've changed yeah. a lot over the last twenty years. I mean, uh, I have to give it to the Mormons. They've really updated. They've yeah. really become more tolerant. They've become more patient, and they've become um, well. First of all, the older people are dying, and the younger people are coming in. So mm-hmm. now we've got a bunch of people that were raised on MTV and everything else. So the things that <laughs> the things that used to uh, be scary to older people aren't scary. Like nobody's worried about no. interracial marriage. Nobody's worried. They're barely even worried about gay stuff. It's like, look, do whatever you want. It doesn't yeah. bother me. You know yeah. what I mean? You live your life, and I'll live my life. Well, that's you the know? way I see most Christians in our country. They now, don't really... I, back in the day, it wasn't, <laughs> but now they are. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the tent of conservatism has grown, and more people fit underneath it now. You yeah. know, I keep trying... A lot of my friends, including me, were being stubborn and trying to hold on to this title of, uh, I'm liberal. I'm, I'm on the left. You know, Tim Pool's a guy who wants to keep saying that. Joe Rogan wants to keep holding on to that. And I'm going, well... Actually, the ideas that you hold used to be leftist ideas, but they're now kind of absorbed into the center-right. You know, the center-right, Milo, Mm -hmm. come on, he is center-right in Mm -hmm. his politics. Well, and I think he kind of fakes it too. By the way, I'm not nearly as big of a fan of Milo as I used to be because I follow him on Telegram, and God, that guy overposts more than I do. (laughs) He's really... Really self-obsessed, like nobody's business. But Telegram is better than uh, 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 Parlay. I don't know what Parlay is. Parlay is another big new platform. Telegram is where all the banned people are. Like that's, everybody's. That's, been, that's what Parlay was saying about themselves. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe they are on Parlay, <laughs> but they literally are. So, yeah. and it's owned by Russians. So Russians have no interest in uh, yeah. quelling any kind of. <laughs> Gavin McGinnis on. Gavin's on there, Laura uh, Loomer, all the all the band people are on there, and I follow them all. Yeah. And uh, you know, my, no, I'm not talking shit about Milo, but he really, he really overposts. You know, I'm like, okay, settle down. Get lots of squabbles and squiffs with other yeah. people on the right too. Yeah, he's mostly criticizing his cohorts. He he doesn't have much of a team spirit. He's definitely a well, he yeah. I mean, he's a very. Uh, what would you call like a, a very singular monster? I think. Yeah, but but bless his heart, he's like he's like um, you know, 
But those should be he's heard a necessary, from too. He's a necessary character. <laughs> yeah, they should be heard from too. He, yeah. he, he, he knows what he is. He doesn't make any bones about it. He admits no. he, he's a troll. He uses those things to provoke people. And I don't think there's... When people go, oh, you're just a pr- provocateur. Yeah, what's wrong yeah. with that? That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying yeah. to provoke a discussion. I'm trying to provoke thoughts in your mind. I want you to think about things. I saw something the other day. Somebody, obviously I have these different friends who I kind of follow and everything and one person put up this meme that said don't let don't let them try and trick you into a conversation <laughs> yeah. delete their comments oh my. Said. and they do <laughs> and they do that can you believe that I was like is that really kind of like you've really got some intellectual oh my <laughs> I had don't a guy... believe what they if they try and talk to you just delete Delete, I had a delete. DJ guy comment on my uh, on my Facebook. Uh, there were some statistics he didn't like. I posted a list of statistics, you know, was basically the, saying that the, the guns aren't that big of a thing. Yeah. You don't need to worry yeah, about rifles that. so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But he was upset with it, and he goes, he literally just said, not as a joke, yeah, but that doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't promote the narrative. And I'm going, haha, that's what a person fit would... the narrative of what, though? I don't understand. His narrative is that it doesn't matter... What the facts are, the narrative is that guns are bad, and you should only promote stuff that fits that narrative. So like, is he being cynical? No, I don't understand. No, I, I couldn't believe a guy like this existed, but he actually embraces that. It's like he's literally admitting, like, no, 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 facts be damned. We don't want facts. He was actually saying. He was actually saying this doesn't fit the narrative. Feelings don't care about facts. <laughs> yeah. He was saying, this, it doesn't matter. You're ruining the narrative posting your facts. Like, no. And he was saying this like as a real argument. Like, get rid of these facts because these feelings are better. Wow. The feelings are more important. So there are people like that, too. He's a nice guy, too. But he spends most of his time spinning music and getting drunk and See, I've been telling you about these people, Berkeley. I've been telling you about these people. I know, man. I've got firsthand empirical knowledge and... Uh, it's a provincial cave. Yeah. <laughs> provincial cave. Yeah. A cave. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, there's good times and good good things that happen, but a, a lot of it uh, is what I've seen lately with other fellow people. It uh, can end up in some not good places. Well, now you've got kids. Are you still make creating a lot of stuff? Not really. Uh, I'm creating some stuff. Um I'm I hate to sound like some artistic Well, you created douche. two kids and and raising kids is creating yeah. the next generation. So Well, no, I still have my little hobbies and dreams and I hear music in my head and I'm like I need to, you know, replicate this onto into an MP3 or a WAV file. So I still do stuff like that, mostly like tiki stuff. That's what I was going to say. That's I don't I hate to sound like some, well, I've returned to my roots, you know, type of douche artist. But I, I started out in tiki music. That's how I got into DJing is, is kind of through that singular door. Um, I was not into electronic dance music at all. Yeah. I did never, I was never, I went to raves, you know. When you say friends. tiki music, what do you mean? Like Hawaiian type? Old style Martin Denny. Yeah. Okay. Hawaiian kind of vibraphones and birds chanting in the background. That's what actually like, got me into mixing vi- at that time it was vinyl in the mid 90s yeah um music and i would do tiki parties and and mix that stuff and then slowly i started ramping up into a dance more of a dance at that time we were calling it uh 
uh, what's called new lounge or uh, electro lounge, right? You know things like that. Yeah. And I started like early early two thousands, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. And I started playing a lot more of that, and then I sort of got swept up in this whole thing and went in a different direction. But now I've, I'm like your dad. I'm more Hawaiian and just getting back to the <laughs> Nice. Hey, <laughs> look, I think those are good priorities. And by the way, I, I wasn't asking that question to... There's a lot of people that um, suppose, like, oh, we have kids, and then he stopped doing stuff. I really, honestly, I'm call me really conservative here, but I think raising kids and having a family, I think that's really a fantastic purpose. Even if you were only putting your energy into that, I'm like, well, hallelujah. I mean, somebody's got to do it. I think... There's too much. I think a lot of the big problem is that people push that responsibility off onto others, and nobody is better qualified than the actual parents. Well, it's only like white middle class people that are even having this conversation. Like everyone else is like, "We're having kids. Fuck you." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and isn't that weird? (laughs) And then like upper white middle class people are like, "I don't know. The world's gonna end. I don't know if I want to bring my my little kid into this world." And blah blah blah. You're like, "Are you kidding me? Fuck. The world's not gonna end. Yeah, it's just not." I mean, it is for well, each I mean, one of us individually at a certain point. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But they seem to have some sort of like apocalyptic. Oh man, know. the yeah. doomsdayism has yeah. never been. It's weird too because, uh, not to repeat myself, but I was raised on dooms, doomsdayism on Armageddonism. Is a very doomsday. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly, my mother, even my mother, is far less doomsday now than she was when I was younger, and now. Everybody in San Francisco, we got 10 years left, and then the earth is over. You know? Yeah. This whole green thing is it's doomsdayism. So you're talking about AOC. And I'm talking about AOC. Year. and yeah. uh, uh, every. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everybody here. Like, I get it from, from everybody. Like, yeah. it's over. The earth is destroyed. We've screwed up. There's yeah. nothing we can do. We, only, we must give over all our power to this savior government as yeah. if... They're going to save things. Like I'm going. Wait now. Why do you think government's going to solve the problem? What what problems have they solved before? Yeah. <laughs> Are they solving problems? So getting back though to your where a bunch of people like jump ship. Is that um, there's always new people out there. You can always grab new people. But did that any have any sort of uh, jump ship on what? You for your political beliefs. Oh, you mean jump ship out of the the scene here? No, 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 out of you. Oh, out of what? Being friends with you. Oh, yeah. Because you can you stopped, you know, walking on eggshells and talking about you start to be more earnest or sincere about your political beliefs. And um, do you think that? Uh, have, oh, I guess my question is: Do you think any of those people have come back? Um. Well. On Facebook, it's just too. I mean, easy. it's kind of a swath. On of, Facebook, you know. it's just. I mean, it's a it's a strange thing because I know so many people hate me in the city now that now I assume everybody hates me. So I know that a lot of it's my own psychological problems, you know. So, <laughs> but I but I also know I also know that. Do you go down the street and you're actually thinking that, like, well, you're I know this van? Well, first of all, I do like, get. These I, I, I've been. Hate me. <laughs> I have been threatened with violence many times, so it's like I really do know a lot of people hate me. I know a lot of people have unfriended me. I know a lot of people have muted me and put me on silent. Yeah. I know just because of the interaction. Well, I don't know though because Facebook doesn't let you know what its algorithms are. Yeah. So who knows who even sees your stuff? But you feel it. You know what I mean. Yeah. You know when people yeah. are like. It's really a bummer when somebody who you think 
you have a good relationship with, who you think knows you well. Suddenly you have a squabble about kids in cages, and then they think you're a bad person. Yeah. And they treat you as if you are a bad person. And you're like, how how did you derive my... How in the world did you think... I've seen some things you've kicked up enough dust where I saw some things that were obviously people who are uh, friends in common mm-hmm. were like, whoa, this guy has gone out of control. And, yeah. Uh, talking about me. Talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's insane and I hate to see this, but... Um, you know, I just friend, gotta like, do yeah. it, and I was like, you know, and they they accused you of like um, misogyny. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, you 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 get all of them. They come as a package. <laughs> it's a package. Yeah, it's a package. You don't you don't get them separately. You get you get misogyny, it's, racist, a xenophobe. You get them all. Like it's a buy one get ten free. <laughs> when do they ever come as a, 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 a la carte? <laughs> they don't come a la carte. Yeah. But yeah. But it's crazy. So what do you do? You just kind of got to go, uh, eh, guess they weren't a real friend anyway. And around this age, I find that a lot of people start going, oh, yeah, you can't make a new old friend. And you start realizing that the people who knew you when you were five. You can't make a new old friend okay you know what i mean yeah 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 Yeah. it's those ones time means something it really does because they knew you when and they know they know the little kid you like yeah your opinions can change and stuff like that but your the essence of you kind of stays the same they're locked on that and they're not gonna get dragged by some sort of no ephemeral little no political they're not gonna think there's a scooby-doo mask Underneath there, like, well, I had no idea all that time Merkley was a Nazi, you know? <laughs> but there were a lot of people that did. Yeah, what do you mean? Well, from your friends, there were a lot of people that uh, were like, holy shit, Yeah, a Nazi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think, I, nobody really confronted me like that. It's more like, the first line, the people that actually know me, n- nobody did that. You know what I mean? Maybe really? one guy. Jason Long, he's kind of like that. But I didn't really know him. Like, I had maybe a couple conversations with him at raves, you mm-hmm. know, and that's really the extent of it. So none of that first line, most of the first line, I've just unfollowed and stopped inviting me places because I'm, I've got cooties. You know what I mean? In this world, they don't want to get uh, my Nazi juice on them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, I, I don't know. Merck's just a little bit too dangerous now. If I yeah. if I give the appearance that I'm his friend, I'm going to catch shit for it. Exactly. You know and what so I mean? That's, that's the bigger picture here is like people feel that's what's going on. Like times. when I catch them one-on-one occasionally, they'll be, it'll be like old times, you know? But I can, there's a secret sense that they don't want anybody to find out that they've been hanging out with me. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, that like... Uh, because it's going to cause shit for them because I'm controversial. You've actually experienced this. Oh, for, well, I mean, nobody said that to me, but, but these are surmised feelings that I've felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, like yeah. where they, well, for example, well, here's a here's one. You know, this might be me being paranoid, but you're with a group of these people, three or four of them, and I'm there. I'm the hot potato. You know what I mean? I'm the guy with the cooties. You're actually there in real time. We're hanging out. We're at the yeah, beach yeah. or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And in there, they'll be taking Instagram pictures. But you see them cropping me out. Are you fucking serious? Absolutely. Absolutely. They take pictures of each other, aiming, or they'll take a picture of me, but they won't post it. You know? 
it's weird. I mean, I might be imagining it. You know, these are things I could probably talk about to a shrink, but this talking about it on a podcast is cheaper. You know, but no, you will see that, and I'll and I'll look in their Instagram feeds where I was there. It was like it'll be like four of us were together having a nice time. I'll look at the Instagram feeds, and it'll be pictures of all the three except for me. You're problematic. Exactly. Yeah. No, but it is. Yeah. It's like, but isn't that crazy that we live in a place where people can't even admit they're friends with somebody? Yeah. Because that person's just got too much Nazi juice on them, and they don't want it to be on. They don't want to get it on them, you know. And I, I'm like, that doesn't happen when I go to Utah. They're not afraid of it. They're like, fuck it. We don't give a shit. That, that attitude is not there. I mean, there is little pockets of people. Well, in- I wonder. So that's a bigger kind of question, an overarching question. Is I wonder, like, how much. That is it just these coastal, we're in San Francisco, so we're in Grand Central. So is it just... It's the group thing. Is it's, it just in, the, in these little pockets that this is like a major thing? It's the extreme. It- it's the extreme. It's like, that's what I mean. It's like the fact that there's no balance. This extreme can really... Online, it's not anyway, healthy. They can really weigh their... They can really show their, their girth. Yeah. I had someone... Uh, uh, build a big campaign against me because I believe that Woody Allen was innocent. Oh yeah. That's a that's a hot <laughs> yeah, potato right there. Yeah. You know, I was one of those I was one of those people that kinda came down on Woody Allen thinking, Oh yeah, it's gross. But then I looked into it too and there's yeah. I'm like, ooh, somebody pointed me in a good direction. I was like, Yeah. Maybe I think maybe that guy got railroaded. Yeah. Hey, maybe yeah, he yeah. got screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I was not above having him be guilty too. I, I started out being like he's I love his movies, everything. I'm not going to like Yeah. I love his art and everything. But of course, there's, you know, it's still weird, weird people, though. You know, I mean, it's still fucking well, with weird. His wife, with yeah. His, with he's married yeah. to his yeah. former so stepdaughter. Un, un, but but then when you look and they realize they never lived in the same house, yeah. it's still weird no matter what. It's weird. It's just it's weird. weird. Out of all the people he could have picked. Yeah. It's eccentric. Know? But in terms of the actual child rape situation with yeah, his own daughter, exactly. I, I, there was that article, but it came out from his the older brother. It yep. was like, you know what, bullshit. You know, this is all. We got a crazy mom here. Yeah, who's, not who's, the Frank Sinatra child, but the other one, right? Well, the mom of the Frank Sinatra child. <laughs> right, no, but I mean, but it was the article written by the other son that wasn't the not Frank, Sinatra. Frank Sinatra's child. It was it was the other the the Asian. Yeah, uh, he's the one. Yeah, I read that was, one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And he made a really good case. It seemed very believable. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Very, like this seems like what probably what would happen with all the nuances uh, with o- Occam's Razor. I like yeah, it. W- yeah. when I read a story. There's certain times. It's kind of like that's how I got out of Mormonism. Is like you go, okay, this is a hard believe story, and then somebody put lays out, and they go, well, this is what actually happened. And you go, oh, well, that one's believable. Yeah. That yeah, one makes yeah. completely sense. That meshes with my entire uh, experience as being a human being. But being a dumbass, I went online and was like, you know what? First of all, I'm a big fan of Woody Allen's movies. I think they've done tremendous, it's tremendous art yeah. in terms of intellectual, whatever you want to call it. His movies are just brilliant and uh, in terms of human interaction and everything. And... And I don't know. I don't really think he. I don't really believe that. Oh yeah, you were crucified. <laughs> yeah, I was crucified. If you don't hate who I hate, then you're hateful, and I hate yeah, you. Yeah, and so <laughs> the deep friending started. Everything. You got to climb on board. If somebody's yeah. deemed a pariah, if somebody's yeah. deemed a Satan, you have to hate them. Why can't we just disagree? You can't about defend shit? them. Like if you Merkley believed in demons and the devil, I might not believe in that, but. Do I have to? I mean, why do I have to? 
defend yeah. you over that crap. I don't. You know? I don't know either. And why do I have to get other people? To, that's even. It's that's like, even bigger. Why do like, I have to sign look over here? Up? We yeah. got somebody who believes yeah. in the devil. Got, got to sign them up. <laughs> we got to. We got to round the mob up. We got to like, set this thing you know straight. What, my thing is, it's it's a, it's a therapy. It's a weird therapy that people are doing. I've had a couple of people that have, you know, combated on this, and and I've realized like they're just going through a therapy where they have to find a bad guy in their life and call him out and it is i think it's all that stuff it's 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 basically this is what i've come to realize too is that people are going to be religious no matter what you do most people if they don't get religion from religion then they'll get religion from a different belief system they will turn something into a belief system they will turn something into a dogma you know, if it's not the actual church, then they'll turn the government into their church or their their political party or their sports yeah. team. They're going to find tribalism. Uh, they're, they're exactly right. They're going to find a belief system, and in, within that belief system, there is going to be a Jesus and there's going to be a Satan with a different name. There's yeah. going to be mm-hmm. good and evil, yeah. and they're going to do the best they can to go. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys. You know, I think it's just simplistic <sighs> thinking, quite frankly. Okay. That actually makes the the earth a little bit more uh, inhabitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to know that it's a natural phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna run into tribes that don't like you. Yeah. It's, it's just gonna happen. It's just it's kind of inevitable that people will organize themselves into these groups, and there's nothing you can do about it. What did we learn today? <coughs> groups. <clears throat> Tribalism. Let's wrap this up. What do we, let's wrap this up with a positive, <coughs> with a positive spin. <clears throat> What's your positive spin? <clears throat> well, <sighs> okay. I got you <clears throat> right when you swallowed and yeah, wrong, I know. breathed in on, on the wrong pipe. Even <laughs> <laughs> Dum Dum's looking at me like I don't know what you're gonna do from here. Isn't that weird? That one <laughs> one drop can go into your lung and it uh, <clears throat> put you down. That's all it was. Too, that yeah. one tiny drop. I think that. Uh, be that as it may, everything that goes on, my hope is that we just are able to find the, and I talked about this in the very beginning of the podcast, uh, that one bit of humanity where we're, it's not the political, you know, facade or anything. It's just the person that we know, the people that we know. Oh, I know Merkley. Okay, he feels this way about this or that politically. Okay, I don't really give a shit about that. He did this. He made this. He plays the piano. He makes this art, everything. Like, that's the person I know, and that's the person I'm going to put in a priority above all this ephemeral political bullshit. I think that's good. That's a good attitude. Yeah. And you're probably doing it better than I am, honestly. Your your, your method of being a little bit more eggshellies uh, is probably Egg better. Eggshellies is what you're calling it now? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, fuck Just, you. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably better than being the bull in the china shop that I'm doing. But I thank you for being on my podcast because, yeah. hey, having Merkley cooties ain't easy <laughs> in this town. No, of course not. So I would say it's an act of bravery, but that's a little bit of an oversell since only me, you, and your wife are going to be listening to this no, podcast. No, I'm going to get tarned and feathered by Antifa. We all know it. That's right. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that was fun. That's the longest podcast, and you're my first San Francisco guest. So I appreciate you it. You popped that old cherry. Respect. Disgusting term. Thanks for listening.